Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. You know, this morning's value is, um, is one, uh, we have it up on screen today on the next uh, shot there, Khan, thanks. Um, the value that we want to talk about today is sonship is the core building block of the church. That the church is built through a culture of sonship. Sons build the house of God. And don't worry, ladies, when I'm talking about sons, this is not uh, gender individual. This is male and female. He created them. In fact, if you look at Genesis 5 uh, verse 2, if we have a look down there, you'll actually see male and female, He created them and blessed them and called their name Adam. He called their name Adam. And they were sons. Eve was a son. Adam was a son. If you have a look all through, just his one, one verse, but all through the New Testament, Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Does that mean females? Absolutely. So sonship is a, a biblical concept that includes both genders, but it's a concept that I want to explore with you today to understand how God builds the kingdom of God through a culture of sonship and through the thread of sonship. The father-son concept is a concept that is right from Genesis chapter one all the way through to the book of Revelation. And if we can grab a hold of this and understand who we are as sons, then it makes a huge difference on the way we go about representing our father by understanding where he's placed us and who we are, our identity in Christ this morning. You know, sonship is defined uh, by where we are and who we are. Isn't it interesting? God came to Adam in the garden and he asked him a question. Where are you? Adam was created as a son. He was the firstborn son of creation. You're with me this morning, church. He was the firstborn creation, but Adam went AWOL. He was displaced as a son because he made some bad decisions in his life. And so true sonship is defined by where we are, our proximity to the Father. Hello? Because the Father came looking for his son, but he was nowhere to be found. He was displaced, and in fact, if you look from Genesis to Revelation, God is in a replacement program of bringing back lost sons who have become slaves to sin and bringing them back into a father-son relationship. Hallelujah. And so when we understand that the redemption plan is to bring us back into sonship, and when we understand what sonship is, that, that sonship is defined by our proximity to the Father and understanding who we are as we come into contact with His Son, Jesus Christ. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, where's his proximity? Where's his proximity in that verse? In Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a son, Amen. 
He becomes a brand new creation. And so when I got saved 30 years ago in that little flat in Tauranga, in my drug-fused, alcohol-fused state, my brokenness and all of that, my proximity was suddenly shrunk down and the nearness of my father, his nostrils were breathing right over me as I called upon the name of Jesus to save me. And I, I was once a slave to sin and in one moment of time, in a moment of revelation, of calling upon the name of the Lord, all of a sudden I was translated from being a slave into full embodied sonship. And I was born anew. The Bible says born again. A spiritual birth from above that now I'm a lightning rod between heaven and earth because God has chosen right from the beginning. You know, in Genesis 1, 2 and 1 and 2, you'll see that God made man. He made his sons in his own image and likeness. Amen. And so we've always as God's plan has always been. In fact, He doesn't work through any other way except through sons. So His chosen methodology of ruling and reigning in the earth is through sons. Sons of God. Because He goes on to say, let us make man in our likeness and image, our Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then He says that they will have dominion. Over the birds of the air, the fowls, uh, the, the fowls of the air, the creatures in the deep, and all the living things that God made man, He made His sons to rule and reign in the earth through their relationship with their Father. Father to Son is the method that God has chosen to rule and to reign. If you take a look at this, to illustrate it further, take a look at the prodigal son. He lived in two worlds with two identities. You think about this for a moment. He became a displaced son when he left his father. And he went into the world and traded his sonship for slaveship. He became a slave to sin and he ended up feeding with the swine. But as soon as he came back in proximity to his father, that's why sonship is defined by where you are and who you are. He came back, shrunk the distance from being in a far off country, returned to his father. And he understood one thing. You see, he understood where he'd been. Because he said, I'll come back and even if I'm just a slave in the house, that's going to be good enough for me because it's way better than where I've been living my life. But that's not how God treats us. He doesn't treat us as slaves. When we come back to Him, the Father fully embraces us. And He went from feeding with the swine to feeding on the fattened calf. Celebrated by his father as a son. His shame and his disgrace from his past life as a slave to sin was removed when the father placed his own garment upon him and covered his sin. And he fully then embraced him into the role of sonship. Isn't that awesome? The devil's plan has always been to come and rob us of the sonship that God created us for to separate us from the Father. 
In fact, if you look at the prophet Malachi, in the last chapter, and in fact, it's the last prophecy, it's the last prophecy in the Old Testament. The prophet Malachi gives an amazing um, picture of what the, the, the most powerful analogy of how God is going to move in the end times. And this is what he says, Malachi 4 verse 5. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So here's a prophetic picture that the prophet's laying down on how God is going to move in the earth. And there are so many uh, people, not just, not just slaves to sin. There's so many people who have actually supposed to be enjoying sonship and their full identity in Christ who are living as orphans because they've never discovered a relationship with their heavenly father. And it's only as we discover that father-son relationship within our lives. Remember, ladies, this is including you. Think, I'm a son this morning. I'm a son, according to the Scriptures. And God says, I'm going to move in such a way that I'm going to bring a restorative power and force in the earth that's going to restore full sonship back to my creation because that's the way I always designed it to be. You know, there's a great uh, word picture and an analogy in the Old Testament. Twin boys, Esau, the oldest, and Jacob, born to their father Isaac. The firstborn had firstborn rights as a son. He became the favoured son. And Isaac loved his son Esau. Esau, the Bible says, well, this is a funny verse, Esau was an hairy man, is what the King James Version says. Man, he was hairy because when Jacob came, you see, Jacob worked out how sonship works. He worked out how it works. And this is a picture of what happens to us in Christ. He knew in order to be accepted and to get the blessing of his father Isaac, he had to have a baptism and a covering that he didn't possess. So this is what he did. He clothed himself with goatskin. That's why I say he, Esau was a hairy man. He covered himself with goatskin because his father Isaac was blind and he couldn't see, but he could smell and he could feel. And so in order to come and get the, the promised blessing on the firstborn son, he tricked his own father and came covered in his brother. He had Esau's cologne on. <laughs> he had Esau's hairy, furry skin on. And he came into the presence of his father. And as a direct result of that, the offense within his life was covered because he came as the firstborn and received the blessing of the firstborn. And once the blessing was given, it could not be retracted. And right from that point on, the blessing of God came upon Jacob. And that's a picture of you and me. That's exactly what happens. If we try and come before the Father in our own skin, in our own ways, we'll never be accepted. But if we come covered in the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, then we are ex fully accepted through all that that Son, the Son of God, has done for us. 
and we get access to all the privileges and the benefits of sonship through Jesus Christ. So God's design is to work through sons. And I often think of Adam. What's the first revelation that Adam had? You think about this. The first revelation that, you imagine this. Here he is, lying in the dust of the earth. He's been fashioned by the Father. He's been meticulously crafted, but he's lifeless because he doesn't possess the spirit or the breath. The Father leans over him, and the Bible says he breathes the breath of life into Adam, the firstborn son. Can you imagine what it was like for Adam when he receives the breath and he opens his eyes and the first thing he sees is a revelation of his father? And so many people have a broken and distorted image of their father because of their human fathers or the lack of thereof. And when we gain the revelation, and it has to come by the Spirit. You see, the Spirit of Sonship is actually given by the Spirit. You can't actually possess Sonship in your life except, first of all, you've encountered the Spirit. Adam became a living son when God breathed His Spirit into him. Jesus, 30 years old, comes into His ministry at His water baptism. What happens to Him? The Spirit firstly descends on Him like a dove, and then the voice of the Father comes from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So the Spirit, had, the Spirit came into Adam. He became a living soul. The Spirit came upon Jesus. He's then given the title, the beloved Son. Think about the believers at the day of Pentecost. What had to happen for them to move into sonship? They had to wait in an upper room for 10 days and then the Spirit descended upon them and then the church came alive. So the Spirit of Sonship is actually imparted through the Spirit. And we receive the Spirit of Sonship within our lives. There's tons of other examples of that father-son. I think of Elijah, Elisha. Elisha follows Elijah doggedly, day and night. He won't let him out of his sight. There's the rumour mill, the prophets have been speaking that Elijah's about to be taken up, he's about to be gone. And, and Elijah tries to shake Elisha off. But because he's a true son, he can't shake him off. He says, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you'll be, I'll be. And he tails him day and night. Elijah tries to shake him off to see if there's a real spirit of sonship within his natural spiritual son, Elisha. And then it comes to the moment when he's about to be taken. And he says, all right. He says, if you see me, if you see me when I go, then you'll have your request. What was his request? That a double portion of the spirit of his spiritual father, Elijah, would come upon his life. And this is what he says when he's taken up. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel. Father, Son, Father, Son. This is the way God builds. He builds through sons. This is His plan. Are any lights going on for anyone this morning? 
You, you see, because this is really preached on, people have got to be able to define it into their spirit and understand. Because when we understand this, friends, and I'm going to give you a few things, I'm only going to touch on them. This subject is vast. I could fill a, a whole series of six to eight weeks on this subject, but because it's one of our values and I want to be able to lay it down as a track in the life of this church to understand. Because you see, when we understand sonship, then we understand that because this is God's chosen, in fact, He doesn't work any other way except through sons. So except we come into an understanding of what sonship is, God can't use us the way He desires to use us in order to build the house. The house of God is built through sons. So here's a few things of the purpose of why God raises up sons. Number one, because sons bear the image of their father. Sons bear the image of their father. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. What did Jesus say? He who has seen me has seen the father. So in other words, when you understand sonship, you understand that you are a direct representative and ambassador as a son of God in the house of God to serve the purposes of God. And that God's chosen sonship as the method to reveal himself as the father to the world. That's what Jesus said. Thomas, don't you understand? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And so we're sons of God here this morning. And if we're walking accurately and we're walking in the truth, when people meet us, when people meet us, they meet a direct representation of the Father because we carry and bear the image of our Father, just as Adam and Eve bore the image of Father God at creation. God is not a secret anymore because His sons reveal Him and they make Him known in the world today. Secondly, sons are led by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Sons of God. So as we grow and we mature, understand this. When my son was five years old, my firstborn, I wasn't about to put him in my four-wheel drive land cruiser and give him the keys and say, where you go, son? Do you know why? Because he wasn't mature enough to be able to cope with the machinery. And there's a process that I'm going to explain at the end of this message, how God develops us into mature sons. And as mature sons, we have a lot more leverage to be able to build the kingdom of God. So as we grow in our relationship the Spirit reveals things to us from the heart of the Father. And this is the thing we need to understand, friends. If you're a true son, you don't live your life by rules and regulations. You don't need rules and regulations because you're receiving revelation and instruction and ministry from the heart of the Father to you as a son. For those who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. We don't need to build a rule book for this church because we want to breed sons and mature sons are led by the Spirit of God within our lives. This is how Jesus put it. I love how he put it. And so I'm referring back to Jesus all the time. Why? Because he was the prototype son. He's the one that we look at. 
to model our lives as sons of God off this morning. John 5, 19, look at this. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. Father, Son. Father, Son. You can do nothing of yourself, but as a son, you can do what the Father reveals to you in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood. For whatever he does, that's the Father, the Son also does in like manner, a mini-me. <laughs> a true son. He's mimicking the Father because he's seeing what the fathers do because sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Number three, third purpose of a son is that the son, sons of God get to access the mysteries of the Father. Whoa, really? Absolutely. That's why we open our meetings to prophecy. You know, if we didn't, this is what we're, this is what we're saying. I, James Anson, and the senior minister of this church, and I have all revelation, and nobody else has any. Therefore, I will take all pulpit time, all stage time, because I am all-knowing. <laughs> now, we know, and if it was here, she'd say, you know that's not true. <laughs> He's a flawed man. But you see, the great thing about being a son is that the father withholds information, but not to true sons. He reveals information to those who are walking in sonship. This is how Jesus put it, John 5, 20. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Wow. Marvelous things have yet to be done through your life as sons of God today because you as a son have direct access to the mysteries and the revelation of your father that you have yet to see. And when they see it, they're going to marvel. They're going to say, wow, what is it that you've got? And you can say, I've got a father that reveals things to me. Number four, sons provide the connection point between heaven and earth. This is a big one today. You know, Jesus taught his disciples to pray on the basis they were sons. Do you know how I know that? Because the Lord's Prayer starts off. You got it. You got it. Jesus taught us to pray and access heaven through our relationship as sons. So we're literally lightning rods on the earth. We're connecting places on planet earth because of our relationship with our Father. And so when we start to understand that God has placed sons on the earth for heaven to connect to and for heaven to work through, we all of a sudden realise the hugeness of the call that is upon our lives as sons. It wasn't, Jesus said, this is the manner in which you should pray. Our Father, not our Master, not even our Lord, but our Father. And you can only pray our Father if you're a son, if you're a true son. And so, you know, he said, our Father, who is in heaven? So our Father's in heaven, but we're on the earth and there's a lot of work to be done. So how's God going to do it? He's going to do it through sons. 
We are the connecting point. We are the axis in which God will move through. I love this psalm that gives a direct relationship to this point for all of us. And he's speaking about Jesus. It's a messianic prophecy, speaking about the Son of God, but it applies to every son of God. Here it is. Psalm 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Get that in your spirit this morning. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. You know why you can do that? Because you're a son. You have privilege and access rights to ask of him for things. Ask of me and I will give you. Woo! I will give you. What, a little puddle outside your back door? I will give you the nations. That's why we're a nation-focused church. We don't want to be just a neighbourhood-focused church. We don't want to be a city-focused church. We don't want to be a nation-focused church because we have access to the Father through sonship. We have direct privilege and access rights to ask the Father things and He will give us nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. I tell you what, the Father's making a statement in this and He's making a commitment to sons. And he's telling us to ask. And he's promising to give. Ask of me and I'll give. And this is because we've got the right to access the Father today. You know, this is the heart of God, the Father. Luke 12, Jesus revealed it. I love this verse. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure. He delights in giving kingdom, responsibility, dominion, rulership, and reign to His sons. Because that's how He's chosen to work. You know, sometimes we can approach God on the basis of what we think is the right thing to do. But at the end of the day, if we're moving outside the design that God has chosen, then we're not going to receive anything. But if you understand your full-fledged rights as a son of God this morning, then you've got full-fledged access, privileges, and responsibility and authority that's been given to you. So that's why when sons of God ask for the kingdom to come to earth, it happens. And you understand it, it happens. It happens. And that's why we put so much emphasis on prayer in this church, because we understand and we pray for nations. You know, how is it that one of the leading apostles in a nation gets to come to Little Old Faith Point? Do you know how? Because we're asking for the kingdom to come in this church. We're asking for things. And God says, all right, I'll send him to that little old church in West Harbour, New Zealand. It's because he just wants to open our eyes and see us access a few more things. Because that's how it's taught through apostolic ministries. You know, um, servants wish things would be different. Servants ask for things and make a difference. Hallelujah. Servants come hesitantly and lacking confidence. Praise God, sons come confidently knowing it's the Father's good pleasure to give them the kingdom. Get that today into your spirit. Number five, sons are to declare the glory of God to a world that's in agony and darkness. Here's Jesus' introduction to planet Earth. John 1, one of my favourite, I've said this to you many times. 
the first, uh, the first few verses of, of John chapter 1 are some of my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible. But verse 14 says this about Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the truth about who you are today as a son of God. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that God created you a little lower than the angels and yet he crowned you with glory and he crowned you with honour. When Adam disobeyed, when Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord, they fell short of the glory that God had designed for them. Sons are designed to carry glory. What is glory? Glory is all the magnificent things that God is that he wants to display through us. Jesus is described as one, behold the glory of God. They saw him. Another scripture says, we saw a great light shining in the regions of Galilee as Jesus walked the earth. He carried the glory of God. And you have been made a little lower than the angels, but you've been crowned with glory and honour. You are to wear your glory crown as sons. And understand that that glory can change people's lives through your ministry here on earth if you would just but be bold enough to possess it in your life today. John 17, 22, here's the promise. And the glory which you gave me, who is he talking to? Father. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Who's them? that they may be one just as we are one. And there is the problem with the body of Christ right there. <laughs> That's the problem. I got a phone call this week from Australia and uh, I was surprised to get a phone call because I'm going to minister at this church in October in Australia. And the pastor said, I, I've had a vision from God. And he said, I, I tested the vision because the vision involved churches in our region. And they live on a remote part of the southern coast of New South Wales. It's not a very populated area. And they're doing a great job of representing Father at that place in Australia. But he said, I've had a vision. And he said, this is what I believe the vision is. He said, I believe that God wants us to unite as one. The body is one. And to do something that's never been done before on the southern coast and to host a whole series of revival meetings in the coast. And I went to see the other pastors and they've all come into agreement with the vision. And so they're calling it Southern Fire. And they said, James, we want you to come and be the speaker for the revival meetings in October 2017. He said, I rang you today because I want to make sure that I've got your, those dates booked in your calendar so that you can come. And you know what, friends? This is, this is the heart of God, is that the body would be one, that we would lower all of our variations and our diversities, and that we would join together as one to represent Jesus. And when we are one, friends, we're going to see the glory that Jesus received from His Father I have, given to, I have given to them that they may be one as we are one. So there's a real urgency, I believe, coming from the Father right now for us to discover and rediscover our identity as sons of God so that we carry the glory. And this scripture puts it perfectly in 
Pastor Selwyn touched on this verse earlier on in the year, Romans 8, 19, and this is what it says. Because you see, friends, we've got to understand that we are now approaching the last days. Anybody with half a brain will understand that we are at a very crucial point and and juncture in the earth and the prophetic fulfilment of the words of Jesus over the life of planet earth. Right now, we're sitting right in that zone where things are about to happen very, very quickly. Mark my words. You're gonna see an acceleration of prophecy being fulfilled. You're gonna see an acceleration of global mass events that the Bible has uh, predicted. And in the midst of that, God has said to His sons, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though gross darkness covers the face of the earth and deep darkness covers the people, my light shall arise on you and you will shine for me. That's the promise of the glory. So right now, this is, this is how I see it from the Scripture. Right now, it's like the angels are in heaven and they're on tiptoes and they're looking down at this critical junction in, in, that's happening in the earth right now and they're standing on tiptoes and the Bible says in Romans eight nineteen, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God for the revealing, for the unfolding, for the manifestation of people who know where they are, who they are, what they're called to do because they've discovered their identity as sons of God. Standing on tiptoes, eagerly expecting because they know that Jesus has prophesied it. They know it's going to happen. And here they are. They're poised and they're watching and they're waiting. Is there any sons that are going to appear? Is there any sons of God that are going to, they've, they've, they've got it. They've got the mysteries. They're accessing the revelation. They're carrying the glory. They know me. They know me as Father. They're willing to ask of me, not for piddly little things, but for nations. Because they're nation-changing people. So, Here's a question for you today. Aren't you glad you're in this hall right now? (laughs) Here's a question for you today. How can I grow into a mature son? You know, when my oldest boy turned 16, There would be something wrong if I still plonked him in the high chair and said, open wide, here comes the train. (laughs) And I was spoon feeding my (laughs) 16-year-old. There's something terribly wrong with this picture. Why? Because he should have grown up by now. And the call and the urgency from the heart of the Father is for us to grow up. It's to grow into maturity as fully-fledged sons. And so where does the journey to grow up? We've got to know what stages do we need to go through in order to grow up. So here's the first stage that you'll grow through. When you get saved, you get born again, you come into level one, which is the discipleship stage as a son. The word disciple literally means learner. And that's how this stage is defined in the life of any son of God. When we come to know Jesus, we're hungry. I was so hungry, I was devouring pages and pages. I'd take my Bible to work. Every break that I had, I'd be in the Word, in the Word, in the Word. And I was devouring things because I'd never read the Bible before. And I was just, I was hungry. I, was, I wanted to learn. I, wanted to, I just wanted to learn too much, too quickly. I wanted to cram it all in there because I was so hungry for God. 
But when we come and we become disciples, we learn how to walk in that new identity that we've received. We learn how to walk in the newness of life. Amen? The newness. It's all new. It's all exciting. But we've got to learn how to drive this thing. You know, there's no way if you bought the latest model Porsche or the latest model Mustang that you're going to put your kid in there and give him the keys. We've got to learn how to be sons and to grow up as sons. So we come into this level of laying down the foundations. You know, and I don't know what about you, but one of the things the Holy Spirit does at level one is this, as a son, He begins to reveal to you all the dead works you've carried over from your old life into your new life. Because guess what, friends? If you had a problem with pornography in your old life and you've carried it over into your new life, mark my words, it will bite you somewhere down the track because you haven't got rid of that dead work that you carried in your old life and you've brought it into your new life. So the Holy Spirit does surgery. And and, and as a new son, He begins to reveal things to your heart about things that He wants you to adjust, things, changes that He wants you to make. And He releases grace for you to do it. You know, I was on some some mind-altering substances before I got saved. But one of the hardest things for me was to give up cigarette smoking. That nicotine thing just grabs you. And it was so hard. And then one day I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want this in my life anymore. Can you take it from me? And that was my last cigarette. Because in the newness of that life, the Holy Spirit is working, building you into a disciple. The level one is discipleship. There's a lot of redirection that God's doing in our lives. He's telling us, this is the way walking. Don't go down that old track that you used to go down. This is where I want you to go. We're learning the Word of God. We're learning to hear the voice of God. So the goal of discipleship is to get rooted and grounded in Christ. That's the goal of level one. Get rooted, get grounded. Don't be like a tree whose roots are half hanging out of the ground and when the next wind comes, it's going to rip the tree out of the ground. Get rooted, get grounded, build character into your life at level one and you're growing as a son. The key words for discipleship is the knowledge of the truth and obedience to the truth. That's the key words of being a disciple and learning to grow up as a son. Discover knowledge of the truth and obedience to the truth in your life. You will grow. You learn and not just store up head knowledge here, but you learn knowledge of the truth and you start putting into action. Your growth becomes evident to everyone around you. Wow, look how how she's growing. Amazing. So then we come into level two, which is ministry. And at level two as a son, this is what happens. You become aware that God has made you a certain way. He's given you certain attributes, gifts and talents. And so it's your responsibility then as a steward of the grace and the gifts of God. Steward means that you're responsible. One day you're going to have to give an account of what God's given to you back to Him and how you've used what He's placed within your life. That's what a steward means. So at level two, We're learning how God has graced us and gifted us and what our function is in the body. Now you can't grow into a fully fledged son until you come through this stage. I want to tell you that right now. We need to learn how God has built us so that we can function the way He's made us. 
Are you on board with me this morning, church? Is there a mirror out there for you this morning? It's called the Word of God. (laughs) And, you know, there's two aspects of this ministry. Ministry is a twofold stage. It's ministry to the Lord and it's ministry to the people. And the ministry to the Lord is twofold. What's your ministry to the Lord entail? Number one, intercession and prayer. Learn how to access heaven as that connecting rod that I talked to you about earlier on. We learn how to access heaven. And secondly, our second ministry to the Lord is our worship and our praise and connecting and fellowship together with others who are doing likewise. So that's our ministry to the Lord. And friends, out of your ministry to the Lord comes your ministry to the people. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You know, Paul said, what I received of the Lord I have given to you. You haven't got anything to give to anybody except you've received something from the Lord first. So as you develop into this level two stage of being a son of God, all of a sudden you're accessing grace as a son. You're accessing the riches of God. You're beginning to understand how God's built you, how He's made you, how He's gifted you, how He's graced you. And then through understanding how to minister and access the heavens and intercession and prayer, you begin to receive things from your Father. Those mysteries that we talked about earlier on, they become revealed and unveiled to your spirit. And as a result of that, you now carry spiritual authority within your life because you've heard from heaven. When you hear from heaven, you carry the authority of heaven. And now you're fit to minister to the people. That's why there's such a great responsibility upon anybody that comes into a ministry role. You stop praying, you stop worshipping, and you're going to dry up and nobody is going to get anything out of your life because you're living like a desert. Is there anybody awake in this Presbyterian church this morning? How do we minister to the Lord? We minister to the Lord in brokenness, but we minister to the people with authority. We minister to the Lord in brokenness, humility. We definitely ain't got it all. And we come with a humble heart. But when we come to minister to the people, because we've been in brokenness before the Lord, we have authority with the people. You got Some of you would have, I guess, unless you've been in my shoes, you'd have no idea how much sweat I have over these words I bring to you every week. You know, sometimes it's just wonderful. Sometimes I can have a download in an hour and I'm ready and fit to bring the word of the Lord to the people. Then other days and other weeks like this week, man, I've had to, I've had to attach my plough to my big John Deere tractor and I've had to plough up the ground and plough up the soil and it's been hard. I need more horsepower, Lord. More horsepower. This is hard going. But you've got to come with brokenness and the right attitude before the Lord in order to carry the authority of heaven within our lives. 
We minister to the Lord as priests, but we minister to the people as kings. We minister to the Lord as priests, but we minister to the people as kings, because kings have authority. Priests have access to God. Kings have authority on the earth to rule and to reign. Amen. Amen today. So it's really, this is the process. Ministry is the process where boys are made into men. (laughs) Where the daughters of God grow into fully fledged sons of God. And the key words at this level, friends, and we can't escape them, is diligence, action, and responsibility. Diligence, diligence means to apply what you're learning. Diligence means hard work. Diligence means that some weeks going to be like I've had, you know, where you just have to keep plowing up the ground, plowing up the ground. And responsibility means that you understand you are going to be account, given an account of what you've done with your life. To me, that's one of the most scary thoughts in my life, that God has placed me on earth at 2016, to lead a congregation into the promises of God that one day I am going to have to give a personal account of. And so once we've come through discipleship level one, once we begin to understand how God's built us and made us and we learn the how-tos, we learn how to release the anointing of God, the, you know, the ministry stage is about anointing. It's about discovering the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you know, some churches, that's where their revelation stops. It's all about the power. It's all about the anointing. It's all about miracles. But friends, that's not sonship maturity. Sonship maturity goes to a much higher level than that. And that's the third level that we want to get into, mature, the level of mature sons. And the level of mature sons is defined by one key thing, and that's your personal relationship with your heavenly Father. It's defined by intimacy with God. It's defined by the fact that you've learned how to access the heart of the Father. It's defined by the fact that you're no longer living as an orphan, as if you don't have a heavenly Father anymore, but you're close to Him, you're tight with Him. You're together with Him. You've accessed something in the Spirit with your Father. You're experienced now in the Word of God. You're beginning to get experience in ministering to other people. And, uh, and you, you, you have experience of seeing the works of God manifested in your life, but to top it all off, you've learned how to go deep with your Father. And that's the defining characteristic of a mature son of God this morning. As disciples, we are learners, and the key word that we learn is what? What? As servants... Or as ministers, the word servant and minister are the same Greek word in the New Testament, diakonos, which means it's translated servant or minister. So as ministers, we become, we learn how to be laborers in the kingdom. And the key word is how. How do I do this, Lord? And we learn how to minister in the anointing. We learn how to minister breakthrough in the spirit. But as sons, we're heirs. And the key word is who, who you are. And we discover who God really is within our lives. Disciples rejoice. There's a few characteristics so you can get this into your spirit. Disciples rejoice. And this forms in their salvation, this forms their testimony. But at level two, ministers rejoice in their gifts and their accomplishments. And these form their testimony. You don't have a ministry 
unless somebody can testify about what's come out of your life. True? So at the minister stage, people, are, people have a testimony of how you've ministered to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, sons, they rejoice in their relationship with the Father and this is what forms their testimony is that they know God in a deep and a personal way. Hallelujah. So as I conclude this morning, 1 Peter 2.5 says this, You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable through Jesus Christ. I want to ask you the question today. Where are you in your sonship journey? Learning, growing, yes, fantastic. Appropriate place for your life. Have you even approached level two? Because you see, friends, church history is clouded with people stopping the revelation of God so that there are only people with collars on that know how to minister. My Bible tells me that every member of the body of Christ is a minister. That includes you who are sitting in this message today and those that are listening by the internet. If you are a son of God today, you are called to ministry. You are called to minister the life of Jesus Christ that is in you as a son and to release that life out into the world to touch people's lives. Maybe this morning you've just realised, wow, that's not Pastor James's job only, that's my job too. I better get cracking. I better learn how God has built me. I better learn the gifts and graces that He's put within my life so I can learn how to minister the anointing as a son of God. Will you take progressive steps to maturity this morning? Because all of creation is groaning and waiting with an expectation of the revealing of the true sons of God. Can we pray this morning?